we're going to be expanding on how to do a word study and uh, move a little further along. Olson, it's nice to be here with you all. Hey, the Word of God is amazing, isn't it? I mean, there's some, there's some incredible, incredible things about the Word of God. Actually, it's not, it's not the, the black and white. It's the living, breathing, incredible power of a living God that has the ability through the Holy Spirit and by His grace to make stuff happen. Sometimes we, we begin to think that, um, that we don't see as many miracles as is written about. I remember uh, reading a story about this one guy who became a believer later in life. And honestly, like, I kind of see myself, I've probably never said this, but I kind of see myself as a charismatic with a seatbelt on. And um, because, when you, because later on in life, when you begin reading this book and then you realize what God has done in your life personally, uh, one of the questions was, uh, this guy went up to one of the leaders in the church and he was like, hey, when do we get to do the stuff? And the leader was like, well, what stuff? He's like, the stuff that I read about in the book. He's like, oh, that stuff doesn't happen anymore. And I was like, oh, man, that's just so wrong because it's not true at all. It's not true at all. There's spiritual implications. There's, there's seen and unseen in the fact that we live and move in him. And uh, the writers of Scripture, actually, this is a theme that goes on over and over and over again. One of the very first Scripture verses I ever memorized was um, Joshua 1.8, right? You guys memorize that one at all? Joshua 1.8? It's like a tower verse for us. And uh, this is what it says. This book, book of the, of the law, law shall not, not depart, depart from you, you at all. all. But what should you do with it? Meditate, Meditate on, on it day, day and night so that, so that you may, you may be, be careful, careful to do, to do according, according to all that, that is written in it. In it. For then, then, when you, you do that, you will make your way prosperous and you will, you will have, have success. Hey, this isn't a secret formula. This is not like some uh, uh, religious, you know, do this, do that. It's not a self-help guide. It's not 12 steps. It's not any of this. God just basically says, like, look it, if you want to be prosperous, if you want to know the way to live, if you want to have success in your life, then this is what you need to do. You need to take my book. And you need to build upon, you need to build your life upon the words of truth. Actually, not just the words, but upon me. And in so doing, you will find success. So in the essence of this is this idea of meditating on his word, right? We're meditating on his word. And so we, um, there's like verses in there, you know, like even like people would put like like scripture verses in like little uh, phylacteries and they wear them on their heads. And I, I know of a friend of mine who actually, when he came across the Old Testament uh, passage that says you should eat the Bible, like eat the Word of God, he was literally like, like I'm, I'm, I'm serious, like he was ripping the pages of his Bible out and like consuming them like it was some sort of... That's not what God is after, There's by the way. There's a disease call for that. <laughs> but even Jesus said, though, right? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds forth from your mouth. And then, again, one last thing before we get started, really, is in Psalm 1, um, which is just another really incredible psalm, it actually says that how blessed is the man, and I would say how blessed is the man or woman, the human being, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is where? In the law of the the Lord. In the Lord. So, I mean, like, our joy is in the law of the Lord. Our delight, everything that we have, 
It's not, it's not about the next shiny thing. It's not about the Tesla car. It's not about uh, money in the, in the checkbook. It's not about cute kittens on the internet or a new puppy, although that gets pretty exciting too. There's so many things that we can delight in, but this says that the delight for the believer is in the law of the Lord and what? And in his law, he what? Meditates day day and night. Day and night. So we think about your word, Lord, when we lay down and we think about your word when we rise up and we, 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 we consider it and we study it and we let it um, wash us. Like, I love that picture of Jesus in John chapter 13 where he, you know, he took off his outer garment and he washes his feet. Remember, Peter was like, don't do it, don't do it. And he's like, look at all of you are clean except for one of you and you only need to have your feet washed. And then later in the book of Ephesians, when Paul was writing about Jesus and his relationship with the church, kind of like as a husband and a bride, it says that he washes us with the water of his word. And there's this incredible intimacy that comes into our life with an eternal God when we're meditating day and night on his words. And then the result of this again is just like in Joshua, it says that he will be, he or she will be like a tree that's firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he what? Prospers. He prospers. So, and I say that that's not just about like when I'm really healthy. I think that means all the way down to the end. Think with me now, biblically, think with me. There's a day coming if Jesus actually tarries when my body is going to begin to break down and I'm not going to be able to breathe. You with me? Eventually it's going to come, it's going to happen, and my body is going to, it's going to, it's going to succumb to the way of the world, to, to, to a physical death, my spirit alive, and I'm telling you that in that day, biblically, when my faith and trust is in Christ and I cannot cling to any other human being, no drug, no capability, I can't turn to anyone else, except for God, and I'm trusting in His Word, I'm prospering. You with me? I'm prospering even in the darkest days. Not just human thinking. So now, as we, as we continue down this path of discerning truth in a postmodern culture, the idea is, how are we meditating on the Word of God? And last week we looked at um, how to consider, how to do a word study. And we had some cool helps, and we had some physical books, and some electronic toys that you can use, which I believe, if we're going to use technology, we, we should use this technology to learn how to be prosperous people by learning how to meditate on his word day and night. Um, this week, we're going to expand on that lesson, and we're going to take the whole thing from just looking at a single word and doing a word study into how do we meditate or look at an entire passage. You know, as uh, Carrie was quoting those various verses that he was mentioning to you, I, I had a thought about how the Holy Spirit leads us into his word. Uh, Carrie's about 20 years younger than me. And uh, he, st- he started out his uh, following of Jesus Christ later than I did. And yet, the Holy Spirit has led him to those same verses. I mean, we didn't collude on this thing. Uh, it's just that that's the way God teaches us. And he gives us these verses that are key, and they're all over the scriptures. Uh, there's probably several hundred of them that are hidden away in your heart. And I bet you if we compared them, we would find that there would be a parallel structure because there are certain key verses that the Holy Spirit of God wants to bring to us and build into our lives. Well, 
as we looked at how to study, do a word study last week, um, it's important to understand what the words mean, and it's important to understand how they're used in Scripture. All words have a context, and, and they're often used uh, in different ways. Uh, we have, even in just everyday speech, we use words in different ways. So we need to understand how they're used in Scripture and how they're used in particular verses. But it's also important to understand that words are the building blocks of sentences. And sentences lead us to uh, whole thoughts which are, in essence, propositional truth. Now, I want to back up and just explain that word for a moment because uh, propositional truths uh, philosophically are complete statements or sentences that in philosophy can either be true or false, but it's a declaration. In the Word of God, as we've already studied, they're always true. And so every time we study a passage of Scripture, we can know for certain that it is absolutely true truth. And we need to take these words and look at how they're used in sentences, in whole verses, in passages of Scripture, so that we can gain an understanding of what God is saying to us, understanding the definition of the word and understanding the completion of the thought as we study that and God speaks to our heart. He gives us facts and, and the things that we need to know in order to grow in Him and to live rightly. So... <clears throat> When it comes to, obviously, and I know we've, we've repeated this over the last couple of weeks, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, incredible passage about the Word of God, about the nature of the Word of God, where the Holy Spirit actually unveils some truth. But we approach the Word of God in prayer because scripturally it says that we cannot understand the things. It, so the study of the Scripture is not so much an intellectual effort, although that's out there. We have colleges, we have seminaries, we have classes. We, we, can, we can actually uh, learn language and begin to dissect stuff. But remember, this is in the end game. This is not about the acquisition of academic knowledge. We're talking about a relationship with a very living God. You don't, you know, like in, in relationships, we should study one another to try and figure out what one another takes. That's actually part of the fun of being human being, actually. Both the... Both, uh, joyful side and the terrible side. Like, why did you do that? Why did that happen? I mean, what, what was happening? And, uh, but when we look at passages of text, we approach it in prayer, and then we ask interrogatives about it. We begin to uh, take the passage apart into its essence and phrases, and we want to observe the text correctly if we're going to get a good interpretation of it. So we ask the questions. The five, I call them the five W's and an H. I use this at work all the time, by the way. Who, what, where, when, why, and how, right? So these questions help us to uh, understand and then ultimately to apply the truths after getting a good interpretation so that we actually are applying things correctly. Because as we all know, one of the largest arguments that I come up against when I talk to people about faith and the scripture is, well, you can make the Bible say whatever you want to say. You can make it say whatever you want. And I say, well, that's probably because we're not being good students. Because 
Um, we need to understand things in its context. So we ask the questions, who, what, where, when, why, how. Look at the historical pieces of the text as well, the nature of the book, and then the overall of the Bible, which we've been talking about for weeks. And that's what we're going to do with Romans chapter 6. They got it. So if you'll turn to Romans... Oh, Thank you. No, I think it's Romans 6. <laughs> nope. It's 8. Is it really? Yeah. What did I do? Interposed a number. The, the, first, the first thing that you have to do <laughs> is make sure you're in the right place. Rule number one. All right, so I just want to let you know that was a test that we did on purpose. <laughs> See me afterwards. You're going to get a star. No, I'm, just, I'm just joking, by the way. I just lied. Forgive me, Jesus. <laughs> Thanks, Tristan. That's one reason I asked Carrie to help me out here, so he could, <laughs> so he could bail me out when I make these uh, mistakes. Well, that's interesting. Thank you, Tristan, for correcting us. We'll do Romans 8. It doesn't matter. This fits for every one of them. Um, but um, one of the first things that I want to call to our attention... So one of the things I want us to recognize is that this particular verse begins with, So then. Does anyone know what another uh, way of saying that might be a synonym for so then? Therefore, that's what a number of the translations have. Now, I'll give you a little rule that I got way, way, way back early in my uh, career of studying the Scripture. And the rule is this. Anytime you find the word therefore, find out what it's there for. (laughs) Because it always refers back to something previous to this sentence we're about to look at. It always takes us back to what comes before. And if we go back in this sentence uh, and look at, say, verse 9, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. This is Romans 8, 9. If you are, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. Now, just to clear uh, some one thing up before we move on as well. It says the body is dead because of sin. Is that talking about your physical body particularly? How many of you here this morning are dead? It's got to be one smart aleck in the group. (laughs) Okay, you're not literally dead, are you? You, you did come in the door. You, you got in the door. You're in a seat. Um, you're breathing. You're looking my direction. That's a good sign, usually. 
And so uh, this is obviously not talking about your physical body in this moment, but it's talking about um, your, your physical nature in relation to the Spirit of God. Without the Spirit alive in you, you are dead to God. You don't have a connection with God. And He is the one who has life. So if you don't have life in God, you don't have life. You may be walking or uh, breathing or seeing or hearing, but you're not really connecting with God. You, you don't have that uh, earnest of the Spirit that guarantees your ultimate relationship with God in eternity. Uh, you are dead because of sin. But the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. Verse 11, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who indwells you. In other words, by being born again, we come to life in Christ. We come to, to be alive in Him. And our lives take on a whole new depth, a whole new uh, perspective, because we are now in relationship with God and we are alive unto God. So then, and that so then has to do with this transaction that has occurred because of Jesus Christ making us alive together in Him. So then, now who is this talking to? Let's ask the question. Who is the who in these verses? To whom is Paul speaking? Pardon? Believers. So all of you who know Jesus Christ are included in this. So then, brethren or people, we are under obligation. And then every time you find the word you in these two verses, that word you, I'm going to put people in Christ, you who believe, I'm going to put it that way. So, people in Christ, believers, are under obligation to live according to the flesh. Uh, to live, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. So, what is he, what is he getting at here? What is the what? We are under obligation... Not to live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, in this particular case, we can take this a little bit further and ask what again? What happens if we live according to the flesh? So this is like a sub-point. What happens if we live according to the flesh? Just going to abbreviate that. We will die. But according to the Spirit, 
what happens. We will live. Okay, Carrie, do you have any comments on that? No, it's good. So what we're doing you, is you, we're... You sure? Yeah. You need, you need, to, you need to give some comments. <laughs> so, we're, so the idea is actually breaking phrases apart and then looking for what it is that God is actually saying by asking the interrogatives. Who's being spoken to? I actually like to like circle things, you know, pronouns and stuff, looking for pronouns, um, circling those sorts of things, looking for actions, looking for the verbs. Um, some people, they actually call it arcing, where you actually take a passage like this and actually you, you take the phrases apart and then you put them into an order where they're subordinate. Certain phrases are subordinate to other phrases so that you can look for the, the intended purpose. What is it that God is communicating to his church through this passage? And then specifically to you. That's where we get into the application of it. So, so Paul, in this passage begins with therefore and in the therefore he says we are under obligation what does that mean what does obligation mean anyone pardon required it is required of us we have a duty, no choice. Okay, so that's, that's in essence, the, the meaning of this. It is imperative. Can I use that word? It is imperative that we live not by the flesh, but by the Spirit. Because if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body... You will live. Now, how do we do this? We've looked at kind of who and what. How do we do this? We're looking at these three verses together. How does it happen? Okay. Being led, okay, if, what? By the Spirit. If by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So how do you put to death the deeds of the body? Okay, you're interpreting. I just want the words in the verse for a moment. We'll get to interpretation in a, in a, in a minute. Okay, how? By, by the Spirit, okay? Now, let me ask you a question. What does it mean that we do this by the Spirit? Now, let's do some interpretation. Rather than, what are the two contrasts he's drawing? Flesh and spirit. Okay. So if by the spirit 
you are putting to death the deeds of the body. What would be the opposite of that? What would be the contrast within the passage? (laughs) Okay. You like obedience there, don't you? (laughs) Obedience is a good word. Opposite of by the Spirit. By the flesh. Oh, thank you. By the flesh. See, that that's the contrast he's drawing. Don't walk by the flesh, walk by the Spirit. If you live by the flesh, you die. If you live by the Spirit, you live. This is the contrast that he's drawing back and forth. So now he says, if you are putting to death the deeds of the body, by the Spirit you will live. Now, what are the deeds of the body? We already said that the body is not this thing that I came in the door with. I did come in the door with this body too, but it's it's a different one. What's another word for that? Anybody? We're going to have to go beyond the passage to kind of expand here for a moment. Sin nature. What's another word for sin nature? Flesh, the flesh, the carnal nature. Mary, what is carne in Spanish? It's, what is it? Uh, in English, what does it mean? Uh, okay, now you're thinking biblically. <laughs> you go to the grocery store to get carne, beef, meat. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. So, but the carnal nature is that fleshly, carnal, human nature. And guess what? After you become a believer, do you still have a carnal nature? How many of you here this morning do not have a carnal nature? Could I see your hands? Uh, That's what I thought. (laughs) You all have a carnal nature. And that carnal nature can be good. Stay with me. It can do good deeds, but what is the source? What is the source of good deeds by the carnal nature? Isn't it the self? Isn't it the carnal nature? Isn't it our our own fleshly ability and what does the scripture say without me jesus says you can do nothing so what paul is trying to bring out here is if we are trying to live a christian life by the deeds of the flesh we're going to fail and we're going to die Our lives are not going to be productive. I'm not going to get into salvation and eternal security right now because that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about how we live the Christian life. And Paul says if we live the Christian life by 
the fleshly nature, we're going to be spiritually not alive. We're going to be doing our efforts in the flesh, and it's not going to be productive. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So when we're confronted with temptation and the pull of the carnal nature to do what our flesh wants to do, what our carnal nature wants to do, how do we overcome that temptation, that pressure? Pray. Spirit of God. By the Spirit. And how does that work? How do you do that? Somebody, somebody put it this way, and this is, this is just like a super easy thing to remember. But they said, when sin knocks on the door, send Jesus to answer. That's actually a good way to remember that when you are being tempted and drawn by your fleshly nature to do what comes naturally, sin is knocking on your door. If you send Jesus to answer, which comes through prayer, and reliance on the Holy Spirit, then we will live. We will be able to resist. We will have victory over that. Why? Verse 14, for all who are being led. Who is that? Believers. It's believers, but it's, it's a certain kind of believer. It's a spirit-led believer. Is it possible to be a believer and not be spirit-led? Yes. It is, isn't it? Isn't that kind of the unfortunate part? You can come to Jesus for forgiveness of sin and repent and turn to Him and ask for eternal life through His atonement on the cross, and without realizing it, go on trying to live for Him by the deeds of the flesh. And if you do that, you end up still with spiritually dead things. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live for all who are being led by the Spirit of God. These are the ones who are the people of God. They're the ones who are under His control. They are behaving like Him. They are acting like Him. And so Paul is telling us in these verses that we are designed in the new birth to be followers 
of Jesus Christ. And if you ask these questions, who is he speaking to? To whom is he speaking? What is he saying to do? What are we supposed to do? How is it done by the Spirit? When? Not every verse is going to have an answer for every question, but if you want to supply one, when? All the time. Every time. As a, as a follower of the Spirit of God. All the time. When? Uh, why? What is the why here? If you live by the flesh, you die. How many want that? But if you live by the Spirit, you live. So the why is, why live by the Spirit? So that my life will be alive and vibrant in Christ. Why not live by the flesh? Because it's death. It results in, in a dead life. It's not productive. And so we ask the questions to seek to understand what the passage is saying to us. And you can take any verse and take it apart like that and ask the questions how do we know that we're sons of God? Let's just look at verse 16 for a second. How do we know that we're children of God? How do we know that? According to verse 16. The Spirit testifies with our spirit. See, you can ask the question and look at the verse to get the answer. Don't look at the commentary. Don't look at the footnotes in your Bible. Unless it's a true study Bible that's not a commentary Bible, but actually just gives you uh, textual information. You know the difference? Ryrie is a commentary Bible. Schofield is a commentary Bible. Uh, but the study Bible, um, for example, New American Study Bible doesn't have commentary as much as it has information about words and meanings and things like that. So you can, you can find it there on the page if you're using a print edition. But you want to be careful to look to the scriptures to get your answers. Start there. And then when you've done all your study, what do you do then, Carrie? You've done all your study. I would, at that point, I think it's not a bad idea to read people that you can trust, maybe talk to your leaders in the church and see, you know, read the commentaries. I, personal story, um, I think one of my earliest Bibles that I got was actually like a commentary-oriented Bible, and um, I was using it for some time, and then, and then I think you and I had a conversation, and I ended up getting just, a, just the Bible with no notes in it, hardly at all, and... I actually didn't like it so much because <laughs> I was like, hey, man, like it's not there. But this interesting phenomena, actually, it, it's not interesting. It proves out through the texts is that um, it, it's kind of like exercise or in many ways probably the better application is in relationship because what ended up happening was um, 
I was like, well, I'm going to try this, you know, like a diet or an exercise program. I'm just going to try it for a little bit longer because other people have testified that this works. Just the Bible with no notes. And um, what ended up happening was, in my, this is a personal testimony now, was that I began to hear him more than the teachers. And um, what I found was that I believe my, my relationship with God was deepened through inductive study of his word rather than running uh, directly to commentaries or other thoughts about what a passage means, I would like sit before the Lord with the passage and say, okay, now help me out here. You take me into the truth. And the reality of it is, too, I'm going to say that uh, sometimes it didn't happen immediately. I remember one time asking God about one particular passage, and it was probably over a year later when I wasn't even looking for the answer when the answer came to a question that I had asked 12 months before in some context that wasn't even there. And I want to tell you, like, it's almost like he opened up a door in that minute to something that I had been studying, you know, like a year previously. But I want to say that it was, it was direct communication from the living God. What does that do to your life? What, does that, what kind of impact does that have? Because Jesus said, and even in the Old Testament, that we will all be taught by God. Here's the, here's the pieces and parts, right? These are tools that you have in your toolbox, but don't forget that it's him, and he's the one that's leading us into this truth. And the reality of it is, it's so interesting because we look at a passage like this, and what we're really talking about is we're talking about spirit-filled living and how it is that we go about spirit-filled living. And we can't, in my estimation through other passages, we can't even understand this passage without having the Spirit lead us into that truth. And by the way, we can actually quench the Spirit of God because the Bible talks about it and says don't do it. So it's worth looking. What does it mean to do that? And am I doing it? And we also can resist him. And uh, even as believers, we can do that. And I think that we need to understand that, understand that about ourselves, even as we have those sorts of understanding. Have you ever gotten to the point where you you begin to... uh, at work recently, I, I was talking with an individual and <laughs> about some difficulties, and they're like, people never change. That's what, that's what the individual said to me. And you know what? They looked at me, and they're like, I know you don't believe what I just said. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, and I'm like yes, I, am, I, I can say that people can change. Sometimes it takes a, uh, a crisis in life, or here's my way of evangelism, ready? Or it takes meeting someone significant that changes the way that you look at the world. Who is, and in my, of course, they get it. They know what I'm talking about. They talk, that I'm talking about the Lord. But it could be others too. Have you ever like met anybody that had such a dynamic impact in your life that you were like, I would follow this person. You know what I'm saying? You begin to think, you want to think like them. You want to hear what they're talking about. Those are leaders. Is Jesus not a leader? Can he not change our lives? And so we need to be these people that are not living by the flesh, but walking in the spirit by the way there's another whole question that we can't answer today but how do i get filled with the holy spirit can you answer that question because many believers don't know many believers don't know how would i figure that out it's in here clearly it talks about it and um uh i don't He'll lead you into that truth, by the way, just like a child does. He wants us to enter into the fields of joy. 
by understanding his word. He doesn't want us to live in bondage to our flesh, to the sinful nature. He wants us to live in the freedom of his spirit. And in that joy, I'm going to say it over and over and over again, there's one purpose to the whole thing, right? Jesus summed it all up. What is it? He wants us to love him. And in that love, he explodes in our ability to love people around us unconditionally as well. That's the mark of the believer. It's not about, I believe this, I believe that, I believe this. Scripturally, what the text is about, it's about loving God and loving people around us. That's what he's after. That's what Adam and Eve had in the beginning that we lost. And even their own children, in anger, one of them killed another one. It wasn't but one generation when that started. We hate one another. And he's unlocking the ability for us to love. That's what true religion is all about and what Christ has come to do. Now, ultimately, that means we live forever in a new heaven and a new earth. It's going to be awesome! But it's going to be... I I actually believe, based upon my study of the scriptures, that uh, he's going to surprise us every single day. Every single day. I think we're we're never going to know. Like, something else. There's going to be a sunrise. There's going to be another thing. We're going to explore something else. And we're going to see another facet of his beauty every day. And we're going to be like, man, you got me again, Lord. How did you do that? Now, here's the crazy part. We can experience that right now. We can, in part, we get to experience that right now. So then again, do we want to walk in flesh and in bondage? Or do we want to live in the spirit and in the freedom of being able to love him and love others around us? So, thanks. That was fun. Thank you.